Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We spoke earlier today to James Marsh, who's the MD of Andromeda Metals and ASX listed Kaelin, a Helia site uh, developer with assets in Australia. Now, if you want our thoughts and opinions on that conversation and indeed the company itself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports, market commentary from experts from all around the world on a variety of commodities and companies. There are training videos on there, summaries of other interviews that we have done, and of course, a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other. And if you go there now and sign up for the waitlist, you qualify for a seven-day free trial. James, how are you doing, sir? Good day, Matthew. Good to see you again. Yeah, good to see you. Yeah, we spoke uh, back in June, and sounds like things are going quite well there. Looking at your share price, um, you're about five cents when we spoke to you, now at 17. Market's listening. It certainly is, yeah. They've uh, they've caught on to our story, and they, they, they like the fact that we're moving the project forward, and we're doing what we say we do. And um, since we last spoke, we've expanded our resources dramatically, and um, also made some progress with our potential sales. Yeah, well, I'm going to hear all about it in a second. So, just for people new to the story, if you don't mind, give us that one minute overview, James, and we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, so Andromeda Metals, we aim to be the world's biggest producer of Alloy-site kaolin, which is quite a rare and more valuable form of kaolin, uh, and also the leader in nanotechnologies, which are downstream uh, opportunities which come from that alloy-site technology. And uh, we have the largest, probably the largest resources of this material, high-purity material in the world already. Okay, you better again, just for the people new to this, better explain what heliosite is used for all the different applications. Current applications. Yes. Okay. So yeah. So haloisite kaolin so is a rare form of kaolin. It's so this is an industrial mineral, um, and it's is kaolin is something that's used every day. You'll come across it in all sorts of walks of life. It's in it's in your cars, in your house, in your food, in fact. Um, but this form of kaolin is a different shape. It occurs in natural nanotubes, uh, and those tubes make it um, highly functional in a lot of new and exciting applications, as well as very desirable in very mature application, which is top quality porcelain. Uh, so these tubes are quite rare in the world. Uh, and because of their shape and their purity, it makes them uh, much higher value than standard kaolin. Okay, thank you for that. Um, and we're gonna, we're gonna talk about some of the future uses of, of this. We're gonna talk about nanotech today, which is quite exciting. But um, let's talk about what's happened since I last saw you, because um, we talked just after your uh, pre-feasibility study came out, which was pretty much based on um, you know, the porcelain uh, applications, right? But you, you were doing right. a lot more than that in the, in the background. Um, and again, we need to talk about that. But, but first, your share price really took off when the hammerhead drill results came out. People got excited about the scale of uh, what you've got there. So maybe just talk us through what those numbers looked like? Yeah, so the hammerhead results were exceptionally good. We have added another 51 and a half million tons of uh, resource, um, of good quality aloysite cane resource. So that's um, that um, expanded the mine life, potential mine life that we had by another, maybe another uh, 50 years, potentially. Uh, that resource was also open in many directions. So it's still much bigger than that. Um, but another exciting aspect of that resource was the fact that there's some very nice high purity haloisite in there. So a higher pure, high concentration of these tubes 
Uh, and it's something I've been looking at for a long time on how they may interact when used in a concrete type application and other building products. And so samples of that were being tested and we've, I've been looking at this for a long time now. Um, and results have been showing very clear benefits as concrete is curing. So we have things like early strength gain. So the concrete gets stronger more quickly, um, but it also handles better, flows better. There's all sorts of knock-on advantages with um, reduced bleeding and reduced segregation. So uh, the results for this concrete testing was uh, very interesting and they've been carrying on now. So um, we're going through now to we've reached 56 days of testing um, by November 25th. That'll be 90 days of testing uh, and that will qualify the material to be fully certified by Australian standards for concrete use. Which will, which will cover about 99% of the Australian concrete industry. It's, 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 it, is, it is fantastic, and I, think, and I want to know more about that in a sec, but I want just for this sequential process for people, again, coming coming at this new, because uh, Heliosite, most people have never heard of it, okay? Don't know what it does. Don't know, you know, don't know what the applications are. So, so I, want to put, I want to put your results in context. This is world-class, possibly market-leading in terms yeah. of the scale and the quality, okay? So that needs to be said. I said your PFS was done on the basis of the uh, porcelain only, and you've explained the applications, porcelain, plastics, paints, products, medical. There's lots of applications of this stuff, so there's a demand for it, and there's probably more demand than there's supply at the moment. So that your numbers are great from just that perspective alone. I know you want to talk about the exciting, uh, slightly sexier <laughs> stuff, which is... yeah. Okay, you, you come from a cement, the cement industry. You found an application there. I think the markets reacted positively to that as well this morning. Um, what you, what's your involvement with that? Are you just like handing over Hellasite uh, and saying, right, or Kayla and I and saying, right, there you go, get on with it, let us know how you get on, or is, are you involved in the actual process of testing? Yeah, so the concrete testing is uh, something I've been involved with now for over 30 years, uh, various forms of uh, Kaelin. Um, that go into concrete and it is used as an additive uh, for various reasons around the world. So it's something I'm quite used to. I've been involved in pattern working concretes and all sorts of other concrete testing activities. Um, so when I uh, saw the structure of the site, the charge structure and um, the shape of the particles, I realized that there was a good potential for some uh, positive interaction when it's used in a, in a concrete. So knowing that um, chemical basis and the morphological basis, then I spent a long time making up um, various mix designs just to see what the potential benefits could, could be. Uh, and after a lot of um, sort of backyard bucket testing of this material, um, realized that, yeah, this, this has got true potential. Uh, at that point, um, used a very experienced consultant, concrete consultant, to set up a, a very thorough testing program. And the important thing was that this testing program is in very commercial mix designs. And what we're talking about here is a very low addition rate, um, somewhere between one, possibly one kilo of uh, the haloocycline, so maybe three kilos, somewhere in that region, uh, per cubic meter of concrete. That equates to something like a thousand parts per million, which actually isn't very much at all. So that means that this product can be sold at a, a very high price compared to normal kaolin business and haloocycline business, uh, and yet it won't actually have any detrimental effects to the concrete um, cost because it can use, it can be used to actually make the concrete cheaper as well. So, so but tell me, what's the benefit? What, what does it do to the concrete? Why would people want to put this in there? Why would they want to buy from you? 
So what, what, it's, what we're finding that it's doing for the concrete is, first of all, it's a rheology modifier, which means it improves all the handling aspects of concrete. And this is a very touchy-feely type thing that con concrete people know all about. Um, and how it pumps, how it flows, how it places, uh, it's all very important. And having this uh, rheology modifier in there helps all of those different functions of the concrete, which can reduce labor, can reduce losses, those sort of things. Uh, but it also means you can optimize the mix design by having the better rheology. You can uh, change the, the additives go in there and cut cost out. Um, but what we're also finding is that the, um, apart from the rheology improvements, we're finding it gives a better early strength gain. So it seems to optimize the cement in the concrete uh, and give it a better curing, so a more efficient curing, so we get higher strength early. Um, so there's a whole, whole range of, of desirable benefits that we're seeing. Okay, and concrete has got different uses uh, itself. So some applications are going to be easier to sell into than others, I, I suspect. But you're seeing it's it's early days in terms of testing. You're, what, 21, 28 days into this process, are you? Well, actually, 56 days now. But 56, the, sorry. The testing, yeah, the testing for uh, for use usage purposes goes up to 28 days. So that's good enough for customers to um, take it to the next stage of their own testing. 56 days and 90 days are used for to pass Australian standards to make sure there's no detrimental long-term effects. So that's still ongoing. Um, but you're, you're quite right. There's all sorts of different mixed designs of concrete in different applications. Um, so what, what we've done is we've picked a number of, of mixed designs that uh, will really value that additional those additional benefits. So where those are highly desirable. So customers will be prepared to, to pay for that additive to go in there um, because they, they can see the benefits in uh, example, things like deep foundation pilings where it's under high pressure. Uh, and by adding our holocyte additive to it, um, reduces bleed of water dramatically, which is a very desirable benefit. So we're picking these applications where we can maximize the efficiency, uh, but also maximize the potential in terms of sales. Yeah, well, that's that's what I was really getting at is trying to understand the quantum here because concrete that's a, that's a big market, right? And if you can get into that market, this is potentially huge for you. Certainly, as the one of the main suppliers in the world for this with this product. So, um, at some point, you'll be. I mean, what is the next stages on that? How do you work out what the scale is, what the opportunity is for you guys, and what it could do for the company? So, what we're doing at the moment, we're getting we're finishing our report off this weekend. Um, the, the Australian uh, standards will, will be passed by November 25th. Um, but between this weekend and then, um, we talk, we're starting talks with a number of potential end users, and these are in some cases quite large potential end users, um, presented results to them and gauging the level of interest to see who might like to get involved with us. Um, you know, can we do a, a deal with a, a major player? Uh, or should we go through a, a different uh, approach, take a different approach and say go through a distribution channel where someone who distributes to the construction market worldwide possibly uh, and they would like to maybe distribute this for us um, and you know, take us on board in their portfolio of products. Okay. Uh, again, look, it's, it's early days, the number of ways you can come at it. It'd be great to have a major cement company come in there like a Samex or whatever. Um, Okay, well, like I say, early days, you'll, you'll, you'll work it out, you figure it out and, and come back to us. Um, and, and look, I'm, I'm, I'm not sticking to the project. You explained in the last interview how you're going about doing that. 
the grades, you know, mm, the margins, yeah. etc. I mean, the, the, the numbers in the PFS look great. Um, I'm assuming feasibility is underway. Yeah, so at the moment we are, we're uh, working through our definitive feasibility study now. DFS, right. Um, now, what, what we did is, uh, our target was to get this out by about mid-December, um, but that was before the concrete opportunity arose. So we're now reviewing our options on that to see, well, it, is it worth extending that timeline a bit just to incorporate uh, the concrete opportunity and other construction products? Um, because it, that won't actually affect our project timeline at all. It's, it's not on the critical pathway. Um, so we may as well take a bit, a bit longer and improve the DFS numbers because the, the benefit, one of the other huge benefits of this um, concrete product is that it's far easier to make for us than, the, than the, for the porcelain. Um, it's very, very simple process. It's just taking the sand out. Uh, in fact, not even all the sand because that's already a component of concrete. So we can do a very basic refining process there um, with much higher recoveries, much lower cost, and yet we potentially do something we can sell for a lot more money. Uh, and the other very attractive part of this business is that we have got here a very large potential domestic market. So it's, it will really de-risk the product greatly by having uh, a home market for this material, um, but a much higher margin. So the potential knock-on effects of the DFS are very significant. So at the moment, we are looking at those options. Um, and timing-wise, what, what we haven't quite worked out what we're doing yet, um, but it would, I'd like to see that actually in the DFS. Okay. You know, no, I don't blame you. I mean, on the current PFS, the numbers look great anyway. If you can try and scope this out for you know, a process which is less costly and a bigger market, you know, obviously that's that's nothing short of good. Um, what are the other, I'm interested today to talk about some of the newer applications, okay? The, the, the nanotech, there's, there's lots of white papers out there, thousands of white papers out there about how to use um, the helicyte tubes in various technologies. What do you, but you know, some of those are, are, are in the distant future. Some are gonna be nearer than others. So what are you working on at the moment that kind of, with a sort of near-term look to it? So yeah, we've been working um, for, for a long time now with the uh, Global Innovation Center for Nanotechnology in New the University of Newcastle in New South Wales um, under our joint venture with Minitor. So we have a joint venture called Natural Nanotech, uh, which is uh, an IP company, basically. So any IP that we capture from this will go into Natural Nanotech. Um, but recently we've been making some big, big advances uh, in um, move, move towards commercialization of these materials. Uh, and this is why we, we made an announcement this morning on the subject. We're finding that we're getting some, um, some exceptional results in three areas initially of, uh, of interest. One is uh, carbon capture. Uh, now carbon capture is very topical because um, the whole world wants to reduce CO2. Um, but we've found that by activating the holocyte getting in a certain way, we can produce a material that will selectively remove carbon dioxide from the atmosphere uh, and produce a product that can be used in some uh, very interesting applications, uh, for example, in uh, submarines. And here we're talking about a product that could sell for, literally sell for millions of dollars a ton. So it's hard to imagine that sort of price, but yeah, this, that's what they go for and it's proven technology. And uh, we're finding now that this does work uh, and we have a, pilot plant that is in construction phase that will be operating by the end of the year uh, and that will be able to produce commercial amounts. So that's one area, carbon capture. The other aspects of carbon capture are 
Um, we're working on our general uh, capture of carbon dioxide from the atmosphere and conversion into clean fuels. So we're getting good results converting carbon dioxide into methanol, for example, which is a clean fuel. So that's one area. Another area that's exciting is, uh, is in water purification, where the site again, wants activated the right way. Um, the structure and the shape of the site makes it uh, exceptionally good for um, removing nasties from water, so antimicrobial action. Uh, and here we've had results uh, so good that a leading expert who looked at these said they're the best results he's seen in over 15 years in the industry. So again, that's a very interesting one, a very uh, exciting. Um, and also in lithium-ion batteries and supercapacitors, what we're finding is we can make specialized hydrocarbon uh, nanostructures from the site, And when they're activated a certain way and put into batteries, there's a tremendous improvement in the performance of these batteries. So lithium-ion batteries, uh, the actual charge density goes right up um, and by a very significant amount. And these batteries are now being produced by, by the University of Newcastle. They can make the whole battery from start to finish. So we're hoping to have some batteries made up with these natural, holocyte natural uh, nanotech carbons in there and that we can actually show as a, de a demonstration. Right, you're hitting all the key words. Carbon capture, nanotech, water purification, lithium-ion batteries. That's, um, you can tick all those boxes. But you've got to deliver some numbers. You've got to show the economics around those things. So they are the nearest term ones, and those are things that people are looking at at the moment, get excited about. But what's the actual reality of the process of where it is now to getting some sort of sense of the economics around each of those? So at the moment, the, the carbon capture one that I mentioned first, and we've, that is proven technology. So we, we know the price in the market for that and we know it works. So that's actually, that's why that's so advanced. Um, the, the other ones are less so advanced. We're just getting, we know we're getting some, some um, incredibly good performances there um, and way beyond current technologies. So they're exciting, but they've got a, bit, a little bit further to go uh, before we can get a feel for what the, what the market um, potential is. Uh, and the other one that I did mention, of course, is hydrogen storage that we're looking at. So another very topical subject. We're getting some excellent results uh, using some sort of hydrogen storage. Again, that's um, we've got some more research to go on that, uh, and it's hard to get a feel for what it's worth. Um, but what we know at this point is that the site can be used to store very large amounts of hydrogen very safely, which is one of the real Achilles heels for, for hydrogen is the safe storage and transport. So we've got potentially got a, a solution for that here with the uh, what we're doing with the university. So there's a yeah, number of initiatives there and um, we've got a team of, there's a team of um, six PhDs working on these. Um, so a lot of very good work going into them. Uh, and we will be capturing IP on those as we go mm -hmm. forward and then looking at how we can maximize the commercial impact of those. I'm trying to, I'm intrigued as to how, how you're thinking, because these are great science projects, right? And they're nanotech, they, 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 sound, they sound futuristic, but, and, and, but so, so are the economics. So as a business, you've got core business, which is you've, you've got these assets, you've worked out the economics on those, um, you understand the markets for those, I understand your, your desire to bring concrete into, into the mix, pardon the pun. Um, where you, you can give people a sense of what 
where the company can can go. But with these sort of newer tech things, are these kind of like spin-offs or are these um, things that you're going to have to bring partners in to be able to develop properly? Um, or do you are you getting excited about those? No, we, uh, we don't actually necessarily need partners to do this because the university has got the ability to, to wrap this up into commercialization. So with a carbon capture, they're already doing that. They've got a pilot plant um, construct, virtually constructed and operational. Uh, and it's just scaling up of that uh, should be relatively simple. So um, what we, the IP company, which is Natural Nitec, will capture the IP for that. Um, but then the material will come from our Great White project initially, um, which is our first, maybe our first operational mine. That will go through the um, the, the, the pilot plants um, and produce end products. So we can do that fairly quickly for the carbon capture. And then scaling up on that, no, we, it's just a case of uh, getting enough interest from the market, um, getting some sort of uh, offtakes because these these very valuable products. So um, what we know is that the university is, is already actually selling some of this material overseas, um, but a different version, the older version, so the old technology. So what we have here is a new technology which works much better than the old technology, and they're already involved in the market for the previous one. So we've got an immediate way in there. Um, so. Areas like there are many other areas like the hydrogen, for example, then we would need a partner for that probably um, because we'd have to have someone who was uh, heavily involved in the hydrogen industry um, just to uh, partner up to get that commercialized quickly. Um, but it's it's a case of um, we have got uh, time to do that because in the background there, we've got our initial product going to porcelain, which is very mature, established market. It's been used in porcelain for a thousand years. So that market hasn't changed. It's grown year on year for 25, 30 years, 5% every year. The only thing that's changed is the supply of this material has, of the halocyte cane has decreased. So there's a shortage of supply, yet that market still exists and it's very mature. They, they value the material. So we've got that uh, as a very early stage first business. The concrete is, is really coming along so quickly that it could be phased in exactly the same sort of time, but at no high value. And then in, and behind that, we've got these new blue sky technologies uh, that we're working on that say that I think the carbon capture is going to be first one off, first cab off for right there. Uh, and that could be going uh, as early as Christmas. We could be having commercial amounts being made of that, start that process going. So uh, and it won't be difficult to make once we've uh, got that happening. So these things could happen very quickly, um, but uh, there is some research to be done in certain areas there. And over the next year, two years, who knows? There's, there's some exciting things can be done with the Lord's site. Uh, and that's why we formed this natural nanotech company to try and capture all these new opportunities. But do you know what I mean? It's, it's like, you know, what do you want to be known for? How would you describe yourself? Are you industrial chemicals? Are you, because you know, all of these new initiatives, are very different. They have different uh, markets of different, um, I, I imagine, skill sets required to sell into those markets and and uh, networks and so forth. So, how do, how do you be all things to all men? Well, our, our ambition is to be all things halosite. So, we want to be everything to do with halosite. That means the production production of halosite, the sale of that material into existing markets, but then also all the downstream halosite technologies associated with that. So the, the new blue sky technologies. Um, so we have the experience to sell into the industrial minerals, uh, minerals markets. 
So a lot of site is industrial mills, and I've had over 30 years of experience selling those markets. So I have a very wide network around the whole world, contacts in every area. So it's not a problem selling those uh, into the market. Now the new the new products, obviously it's, in, it's a whole new uh, ball game because it's new technologies, but these are such exciting new areas where we're getting such incredibly good performance. And, uh, and everyone we're talking to are saying, well, yeah, well, this stuff looks like it's a game changer in these certain areas. And it's areas where people are very keen to progress because it's, it's basically solving the energy, solving energy problems for the world or solving pollution problems for the world. You know, and we've got, we've already got um, applications in for other areas of research there. Um, for example, removing microplastics from the ocean and recycling using holocytes. Also in uh, medical treatments, antibacterial, antiviral treatments, uh, and also in agricultural applications. So these things are all going on in the background as well. Uh, it's a case of you know, what happens first. They're, they're looking so interesting that there's going to be a lot of success here. Um, this case of which is happening first and which is going to be the, quick, the first one into the market. Right, okay. So, so, so back to basics, um, you've got product going out to clients at the moment uh, on the porcelain front for testing, have you? Yes, at the moment we have uh, about six tons of material. It's uh, just arrived over in China from uh, production trials in Japan. So that's, um, that's over there now, and that's going to be going out to um, our offtake, potential offtake um, customers. So it's going to be sampled to them through their commercial trials, and then we'll be pushing them for binding offtakes. Um, and that's for the early stage business. Uh, also, uh, in that process, we've manufactured some very nice porcelain items uh, with the Andromeda logos on, and they will be on display soon. Uh, and that just goes to prove that what sort of quality we can get from our website, Kelly. Uh, so that's all happening as we speak. Fantastic. Um, well, look, ex- exciting days ahead of you for sure. Uh, well done so far on what you've done. I look forward to seeing what happens from those uh, test results and um, and you know getting some of those offtakes in. So, congrats, James. Uh, appreciate your time today. Stay in touch and let us know how you're getting on. Okay. So we will do. Thanks for that, Matthew. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.